Welcome to Mindful Mutiny. I'm Jeremy Van Wert, CEO, therapist, and transformational coach, helping you get unstuck from burnout and stagnation. On the Mindful Mutiny podcast, we thoughtfully rebel against anything that keeps you from achieving your highest potential. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. It's very important for the growth of this channel. And I'm really excited to hear the rest of this story. Today, we have a very special guest, Brian Sebastian, who's the host of movie reviews and more. Brian, thank you so much for being here and coming back for a second part of this interview. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. We had a good time last time. I want the, the uh, viewer to know that what you're going to hear this time and what you're going to learn is it's about the power of making your dreams happen through consistency. And, and you're going to hear in Brian's story, his amazing ability to be humble, to talk to people, to just make friends with people, to just walk up to anybody in the same way and start talking to them and how that builds relationships that last for a very long time. And we're also going to hear about Dreamweaver Arts, which is Brian Sebastian's nonprofit. He's going to be doing some pretty amazing things with this in the next decade or so. You're going to know about this. And so, Brian, again, I'm really happy to have you back for the second part of this. And... When we left off last time, it was 1993, and you had moved to California. You didn't really know anybody, and you were kind of starting out. And so you're in this new world. You have this desire to be, you know, you've done some DJing. You've, you've met a few people. When you move here, what's the scene for you? Well, you don't know what California is like if you, if you didn't grow up in it. Because northern is different from southern, obviously. Uh -huh, right. But you don't really understand. And even when I see kids today, they go, I'm moving to California. I go, why? And mm -hmm. then I, they tell me why, because you never want to discourage someone from their dream. I go, do you have a year's worth of money put aside? And yeah. they're not used to hearing that. I go, and then I tell them why they need to, no matter what field they're going into. I go, do you know where you're going to move to? Mm -hmm. No, I'm just going out there. No, well, this is not the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s and the early O's. You can't just move to any place anymore. Every place is expensive. Everything has gone up. So it's one of those things where you have to prepare people. I wasn't prepared for this. Remember, I was going to move to Northern California. I didn't know where I was going. I just knew I was going to be closer to the Santa Clara Vanguard. I was going to Walnut Creek because my friend lived in Walnut Creek. I didn't know how far it was from Santa Clara. So that's all in my mind what I knew. And I only had $125 in me and change. And that went really quickly when I was in Southern California, because all of a sudden, everything's expensive. No one lets you know these things. So I don't let that happen to anybody these days because of things like that. I didn't know. That was just my dream to be near my favorite drum corps and then go from there and find a radio station. And if I had to DJ in the area. Well, when I didn't go to Northern California, I ended up in Los Angeles, Southern California. I go, oh, Plans have changed. Didn't see this one coming. I really wasn't prepared for this. There wasn't no plan B. There's always, for me, there's always been a plan A. And you've got to see it through, if that makes sense. Well, it, it does make sense. And, you know, again, for people who have not been to Southern California and L.A., imagine, and there's so many wonderful things to do. There's so many interesting people to meet. And it is an absolute ocean of humanity, which means that 
it takes forever to get from one place to another. And it's also sometimes a very, very easy place to get lost. Sometimes a very easy place to feel like a very small person. And so, you know, you're, you're in LA, which is a good solid six to eight hours by car from where you had originally thought to be in, in, in Walnut Creek and Santa Clara and all of that. And you're starting out. Where do you go? Well, here's the thing. I didn't have a car. And that's what I tell people. I laugh at these people who say they were homeless in a car. I'm like, at least you had a car. At least you had a car. I, a car. <laughs> I was taking the bus. There was no e-scooters at this point. I didn't even have a bike. And I and the only reason I never got a motorcycle is because my mom had a dream that I got killed in a motorcycle accident. So the only one thing she says, promise me you will never get a motorcycle. I did. I've kept that promise till this day. So when it comes to that, I'm like, I walked, I ran, I took the buses. And if you've ever taken buses in Southern California, one boulevard from Santa Monica Boulevard for sunset from the beach, going to downtown LA, that could take you four hours with all the stops. And that's on a good day. So yeah, when you're going through all of these cities, Brentwood, Westwood, West Hollywood, Hollywood, Los Feliz, all of that to go to downtown LA or even just to go to Hollywood, that's a long time. So I was reading USA Today every day. That was my paper from cover to back. I wasn't reading the money section at that point. Later on, I start to read the whole thing, the money section. So I felt like if you ever seen the movie Working Girl, I was the Melanie Griffin character who was cutting out things of inspiration. Oh, this will get this good. This company's doing that. That was me and putting it in like a scrapbook and I would look at right. these things. So what I was doing that, I was writing down what I was doing, just like I still write down in a notebook, a yearly calendar, what I've done. Um, except now I do it differently. I still write down my numbers, my daily numbers of what we're doing for movie reviews and more and all of that. So that's what I did learn. But it kept me in shape, but it kept me in that drive because I didn't know what I was going to do. There was no plan. I didn't know. My goodness, my goodness. And, and, and by the way, my mother hates my motorcycle. Uh, but <laughs> you, oh, where were you working? Where did you go? Well, I had to get a job. So I ended up working at 7-Eleven. This is when jobs were easier too. I, would, I knew if I went in, I would get hired. That's the one thing I didn't know. But, I, but also, I didn't know this. Some people wouldn't hire you because of the color of your skin. Now, I didn't act black. I didn't talk street. I didn't grow up that way. So I was looked at different. Oh, he sounds okay. He sounds safe. So I could get those jobs. But rent was expensive then. It's through the roof every place now. But in Westwood then, you know, man, a two-bedroom two-bedroom, nice bedroom that I didn't know I was going to get to. I just knew I couldn't afford it by myself. I had to share it. It was $1,600, $1,600 then. So I think I was paying $750 for two-bedroom. I was never there. And the guy that I lived with, he was attorney, but he was moving out like three, literally three months later. He moved back east. You know, I think he got his degree or whatever. He started this on practice. Very nice guy. Um, and so that's what got me going with that. And then as I was going, taking the bus to go to um, Hollywood to go to, it was the CNN building there, which is still there. And CNN is still in that building right off of uh, Coanga and um, Sunset. That's what Power 106 was at that point. And then another boulevard down the street, Kiss FM was in their tower building. So it was a very interesting time in Hollywood at that point, the late 80s, early 90s, going into the O's. It was fascinating. 
No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what do, do you start meeting people right away or does it take you a while? I was meeting music people. And then as I started working at Tower Video, which we talked about in part one, I'm meeting some of them. And as you know, when you're young, you're meeting these people, you're looking to see, oh, I just met so-and-so. Now we're going to hang out and you just never know who you're going to meet. And then you start going to nightclubs. At that point, nightclubs in Hollywood were great. You had Florentine Gardens where Marilyn Monroe got married. So I met Arthur. Till this day, I remember him. He was the Florentine Gardens DJ. That place held 2,000 people. It's uh, It was a great place. I remember you know, when I was doing promotions for Power 106, I'd go there and I'd take 10 people. At that point, it was $10 to get in. Imagine that. I got 10 people in for free because they came with me because we were doing promotions. So that was one of the clubs I went to. And then you had another club, Black and Blue, downtown LA. And then they started to get an upbeat a little bit. This guy, I just remember his guy, this guy name is his name was Guy, who wore dark sunglasses that night. He was the doorman. If he didn't think you were good enough to get in, you weren't with a hot girl, I found out, you weren't getting in. And he would literally tell you, no, you're not getting in tonight, the way you're dressed. No, there's no room for you unless you were a celebrity and on the list. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I went through this in Connecticut when I was the DJ. So when I was with Power 106, even though I was there, I didn't have a business card. And so certain people would show you their business card and he would take off, go like this with his glasses and look, okay, come on in. So for me, I had to bring hot women with me to get in. And even then, I was not a guarantee I was going to get in. They went in and he goes, no, you got to wait for a little bit. I know you're with them, but you got to wait. I'm like, huh. This is interesting. This is a whole different game that they, they don't were you give dressed? you the were you, were you dressed, though? I was dressed. Okay. And it didn't matter. Because <laughs> at this point, it's not like today you can wear, like, white sneakers like everybody and then whatever. No, you actually oh, had to be kind of dressed. Yeah. So I knew this, what, what I had to go through in Connecticut. Now you're in a whole different state, and the rules are kind of the same, but it's a whole different atmosphere. Because now you're dealing in the celebrity world that you're not part of. It was very interesting. Right. Right. But you, you, you start making friends. I mean, you, you talked about tower records that you were, were there and you're starting to talk to these various different people. You start this uh, cable access TV show that you're doing and you, you do this kind of like Kool-Aid man routine where you just break right through a brick wall and go, Hey, here, here I am. And then people want to be on your show. Well, I said this, it was one of the things when I started working at Tower Video at the, the video store, everybody, every celebrity went in there. At this point, everybody's got a VCR and you're either you're going to buy beta tapes, VHS tapes or buying those albums. Well, in the area where Tower Records was, Tower Video, Tower Classic, Gazzari's was right down the street. Uh, Viper Room was right, literally, you walked the small parking lots right there. Uh, this is before Johnny Depp or whoever owns it had it. Okay. Um, uh, you know, you had the Roxy, the Rainbow, all of this stuff is like literally a block away walking distance. So everybody was coming here. So there was that like this energy that does not exist there. The only thing that, that says there was a tower, tower, anything there is that yellow sign. Now it's nothing. Tower mm -hmm. video is now a Chase Bank. Tower Classic is nothing. You wouldn't even know. Luckily, they have books to bookstore there. But it was that energy. So when you take those things away, people have no place to go. Now people order stuff online, or if you're lucky, you go to um, uh, uh, the video store. I mean, uh, the record store that'll that'll come to me in a minute. But it's one of those things where 
you start meeting more people. You start gravitating. You say, hey, let's go, go, let's, let's go out to this club tonight. Where's this club at? How much is it to get in? Because remember, I'm not a, I, was, I wasn't a night person then, but I was younger then. So you're going out and you start meeting people. You start seeing that they're dancing. I'm like, whoa, these guys dance on Soul Train. Oh, they do? Where? I didn't know how to dance. Believe me, this one. I was the record player. I was the DJ. I learned how to dance because I would see guys at Florentine Gardens. They had a mirror and they would dance. And this is when Michael Jackson is hot. Thriller's already out. But, you know, Bad is the album that everybody's playing at that point. However, what's going on, you've got everybody dressing still like Michael Jackson. So my friends who dressed like them, they were the Michael Jackson lookalikes that everybody liked. And as they're learning how to dance, I start to get up and start to dance. I've never seen this before. Girls dancing in a circle with themselves, guys dancing in a circle with themselves, learning how to dance. I never saw that before. It was fascinating to me. I learned how to dance by dancing with these people. And it's embarrassing once you get up and you start, I don't want to do this. And then you start to get in and you start to move around. I, you know, the running man dancing with the baggy pants like MC Hammer had when he's hot at that point, because he's hot at this point. You, everybody's learning those things in that type of music. And then it comes to a halt when I have the public access show. I'm like, I, I didn't like La Ista Bonita coming in, Madonna, Chicago house music was coming in. And I was tired of this jockeying because I had been in, in that since, you know, the mid seventies buying albums and all this stuff. Remember I was spending $90 a week buying albums. That's where all my money went to. So I was buying the latest stuff. And my mind, I just remember my mom told this day, you've got to learn to save money. You can't just go out and buy albums. And I'm like thinking I'm a disc jockey. I have to buy albums. I got to have this stuff because I was making my own tapes. I was making my own eight track tapes. And then when cassettes came in, I was making eight tracks and cassette tapes. So I was always doing, putting my own music together. What do we do now on YouTube? We got our own playlist, Paradox, Spotify, and all that stuff. I started doing that back in the mid-70s. I was doing that. Now we all do it, don't we? So I guess I kind of was ahead without knowing you were ahead. I just knew I was different, you know? I would say this. I, I, I'm different, but I have a lot to offer, if that makes sense. Well, you 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 do, and I'm I'm kind of like as you're talking about this, I'm remembering the culture of the time, particularly the early 1990s with Belle Biv DeVoe and Latrem and JJ Fad, and it was a dance culture. There was a now, lot remember, of dance. I'm at Power 106 now. I'm meeting these people who I never knew I was going to meet because that's what Power 106 music was like. So the powerhouse parties, we we kicked that off. They still have them. We kicked that off. So JJ Fad, Salt and Pepper, Velvet DeVoe, all those guys came to the radio station. Paula Abdul, remember Paula? She was a Lakers girl. Straight up. And when I saw Paula earlier this year at the CS show, I go, Paula, remember this photo? Remember this one? We go back to 1987, 88, 89 when she kicked that all that off. We're friends till this day. I don't have her phone number. I have her email. But when we see each other, it's like, like time is not past. She's still nice as she was back then. So meeting all of these people, you had access to them. You just didn't know how to reach out to them until they invited you, if that makes sense. You had to be invited. Yeah. Yeah. And and so as you're doing this cable access show and you're you're starting to get noticed because it's I'm I'm sure it's quirky because cable cable access shows are just quirky little shows. They're great. They're just so unvarnished. And I know that right now there's there's a there's a real um, emphasis 
on authenticity. And back then, everything, if, if you can imagine this, you know, for the listener, everything was very nicely produced. The evening news was very nicely produced. The, everything was highly, highly professionalized and everything like this, except for college radio stations and cable access TV. And those were often where really fun and creative things used to happen, like what you put together. And people would tune into those things because it had this kind of authenticity to it. And sometimes you didn't know exactly what was going to happen. It's kind of like those bloopers on the home shopping network where they say, this is indestructible. And then it shatters into a thousand people pieces on, on live TV. Uh, you put together something authentic and something that people started seeing. And then did you have people contacting you to be on it? Well, if, if the guy, if he hadn't come in to Extravaganza Video in the early 90s and say, Ryan, why aren't you doing movie reviews? Because I, I like your your movie taste. You're giving me movies that I like. I like, well, and if I hadn't said, well, how do you do this? I wouldn't have started the public access show. I didn't know I wanted to do that. There was no thing. I didn't know about it. I just knew I was good at recommending VHS tapes, movies that people would like. That's what I knew. Uh, and I was good at, and at, at that. Until this day, I'm still good at that, except I do it in a different way, obviously, now. However, I look at it this way, and I never thought about that until you were just talking about this. To me, public access shows today are podcasts that people are just starting out. And then it morphs into something else in the bigger thing, because you have the world. Public access, you had like this corner of the town. And it wasn't going cross country. That's not how it worked. It was town to town, if you were lucky. Like I had to do a public act show in Santa Monica. I had to do a whole nother one in, in not Compton, but Inglewood. And they yeah. didn't cross. Same owners, different towns, if that made sense. Oh, so yeah. I had to go from this one, pay $50, I think, this week to do this show, half an hour show. I had to go do another show over here to hit that community. Imagine that. So it's almost like we, you know, regional radio stations in a way that didn't cross the boundaries if that makes sense. AM did. It went all over the place. FM couldn't do that. So it was kind of like that. Now look where we are. Everybody can do a show and it's on the air. Now the problem is you got to get people to watch it and listen to it. So us, I just wanted the, the studios to get me in so I can get on the list to start interviewing people. That's what I wanted because they said, hey, uh, if you talk about this movie, would you like to talk to so-and-so? I'm like, well, yeah, I would like to talk to so-and-so. And it was one of those things where if you've never been into a, a, a five, four or five-star hotel, which a lot of interviews have done there, unless it was done on the studio lot, you're scared. You're like, oh, I've never been in this. How do I dress? They don't tell you. Hey, we're going to have here. We'll take care of your parking. You're going to talk to, say, someone from a B-movie. Say Don Wilson from the uh, who, who did a lot of B-movies. Or I um, uh, can't remember who uh, Tybo. Uh, the Taibo tapes, uh, my old sensei, um, his name will come to me in a minute. Hey, you want to talk about Taibo stuff? I'm like, well, yeah, I know him. He was my sensei back in Connecticut. He taught me martial arts. I didn't know he went on to California to do this type of thing. So it becomes interesting at that point. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so, <clears throat> you know, you're, I'm thinking about this as you're talking about this and the whole idea of, you know, we're, we're doing what would have been cable access 
right now uh, in this. But we get this gift where somebody in South Africa could listen to you and I talk when this is published. And that's, you couldn't even dream of that in the 1990s. It's just, it wasn't. Well, think of this, Jeremy. Thinking tape, you, you know, I'm sure everybody's got a VHS tape left someplace in their attic or their their basement. Think about mailing that to someone. I had to mail these tapes out to people, if that makes sense. Think about that. That was a lot of money. You know how big that felt. That was my only way to get on list. Oh, you got to mail it to the MPAA. Oh, okay. You didn't think about it. You just, you just knew you had to do it. And if they approved you, you got this letter back saying, you're officially certified to do, to do movie reviews. And then all of a sudden you land on a list. That was like gold. And I kept that for years. I was like so proud of that because you worked hard to get it. And then, and then publicists, if they want the question you say, are you MPAA certified? I'm like, yep, here's my letter right here. And they were shocked by that, that I would carry it with them. But you know, if you challenge me, I'm going to challenge you right back. If you ask me about a certain number, yep, here's my number right here. Because I learned that back in the early 90s. You better have it available. Like, like if you go someplace today, what's your Instagram? What's your IG? You know, are you on YouTube? Are you on Spotify? Yep, here it is right here. Verified. We got the blue check. What? Let me see yours. Oh. Who was the first big fish that you caught? Well, the one who came to my station was Tammy Lee Webb, Buns of Steel. If you remember her. Yes. So yes. she sold 50 million tapes. Imagine that. VHS tapes. And so she actually came in. The second person I remember, Jackie Joyner Kersley, you know, the Olympic gold medal winner. And I remember interviewing her on Sunset. And we talked about that in part one. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know. They don't tell you the process. They don't tell you, or you know, bring your equipment, do stuff. You just, you're like, okay, how do I do this? There's no guidelines. There's not, there's not a book to teach about that. They don't have that. Right. You know, the only thing you might see, you might see something on network news, someone talking about a movie coming up and they got Tom Cruise and the poster in the back, like Top Gun, that kind of thing. Well, you're never going to be on network entertainment news doing something like that because there's only so many people that, that get hired for that. So how else do you carve out a NIST? So my NIST was always coming from home video, that music that I knew. I knew at that point if they were in one of these things, that was my genre. And I know nobody, nobody could beat me at that because I was good at that. That's what I did know. So I was here while everything else was here. And then as you keep going this way and going up, it starts to blossom like that. Yeah. Yeah. And as it, as it blossoms, are you getting invited more places and you're being... Yeah, because once you start to go to that interview... You might not know who the people are that are coming into the room with that certain celebrity. You know there is somebody important, but you don't know who they are. The more you see those person, those people, the more like, oh, I recognize this person. This person's with so-and-so this week. Who's that person two weeks? So I need to know that person. Turns out they're publicists. So for me till this day, back then like it is today, publicists are the people I always want to deal with. Not agents, not managers. Uh Managers, they do stuff when it comes to being on a tour or something like that. Those agents are more in the office who they put that the contracts. I wasn't dealing with those people. But that PR person, their job is to get them in front of media. Now, I didn't consider myself media. I still worked at a video store, was doing public access shows. I did 100 shows, and I did a lot. So those half-an-hour shows, I was talking about what I could. And then they were airing them. And then certain people would see them because guess what? 
at that point, your cable channel was turned to channel three. So for us in Southern California, channel three was a cable public access channel. You couldn't get any better than that. So some people would see our shows. And and these and these some people, did you have celebrities seeing your show and then wanting to be on it? Some of them, but you know, they would come into the video store and say, Hey, I recognize you. I saw your show. I'm like, Oh, you did? Because I'm like, first of all, how did you see the show? And I'm like saying, Where did you see it? Because remember, it's limited. Well, yeah, you know, it's you're on channel three. You know, you I was turning my TV on, your show was on, I was gonna turn to something else, but you were talking about a specific movie. And it made me want to go rent a movie. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's what I wanted. Did I know that? No. I was I was talking to the people that were in me, even till this day. I'm not thinking of the audience per se, even though I am now. I'm thinking of the people that I'm talking to like this. Okay. As you're talking here, I'm kind of like personally thinking about you seem to have a just an absolute laser focus on what it is that you like and what you want to do. But having that laser focus doesn't necessarily mean that it's ever going to work. But your your laser focus with your willingness to be consistent, that's the ticket for making something really successful. So at some point, you have to begin to notice that your approach is working, that there's 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 a growth to this that last year I wouldn't have gotten invited to this party, but here I am. Nobody knows who I am, but I got in the door. So when did that sort of thing start happening where you got affirmed that what you're doing might actually work? Well, there's two things as you were talking, and this is why I love this conversation like this. I like doing interviews like this because you reminded me that Joya Delaney comes in October of 1993. She's my shaman till this day. She's known as the Beverly Hills shaman, Joya Delaney. Well, one of my friends went to go see her. She ended up practicing Buddhism like we were, didn't yeah. know her. But she's, you know, hey, come see me. Um, I'll give you a reading. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I've never had one of those before. You don't think about these things in Connecticut. Right. Well, what you don't know is we all have blocks. We all have things that we don't know that's stopping us to succeed. Whether it's ourself, our mind, our bodies, people, jealousy, things like that. Well, what she could see is you've got a lot of people that are around you that may not want you to succeed. You weren't even supposed to be here. It took me two and a half hours to get to her. Because remember, I'm always an hour and a half early. I got to her an hour and a half late. She goes, the reason that you're late, there are entities that didn't want you to come see me. Okay. And yeah. I said, wow, that makes sense. And that was my first reading. It was a two and a half hour reading on tape and we recorded it. And I had it for many, many, many years. And I would go back and listen to it once a year when I couldn't sleep. And then, so I, every time I went to go see her, I would label those. Remember me keeping track of everything? I would keep track of my progress. So there were, and they were only 90 day readings. A good reading is only 90 days because that's just enough time to get stuff. You'll have stuff that'll start to be the manifest after that. Well, that's okay. But I just want that. I only want to know what's happening in 90 days. That's three months. Now, if you go three, six, nine, 12, 12 is a magical number in universal law. Everything happens with that. 12 chakras, 12, you know, everything like that. But it's one of those things where she was explaining on the, the metaphysical side, things that I didn't know anything about that was stopping me, preventing me from succeeding on the side that I wanted to get to. The one thing that stuck out then 
And she told me that the fall of October 1993, Brian, you're a late bloomer. You're not supposed to get your success this early in your life. Your success comes later down the, down the line. When she said that, I was like, wow, that's a relief because everybody thinks, oh, we're going to get this right away. We're rushing to get all this stuff. That's not necessarily how it works. And then right. you may get distracted. Right. So once she told me that and I had it on tape, I started to see what I was getting things done because now I had the tapes to validate what she was saying. And, you know, when I went back to get my next reading, because I was going back continuously and then working on myself, uh, taking away those blocks, working on my subconscious, working on my voice, because I'm taking voiceovers at this point. Um, So I'm redefining myself, but I didn't know what I was doing, but I had to do these things. And it made sense. So as I'm rediscovering and working on the stuff in 94, going into the end of that decade, I started to see progress of stuff. So as she was working on me spiritually, I was working on me physically and mentally working on the best that I could because I didn't have any help. I didn't have family. And the friends I have, they didn't really know what I wanted to do. That What I was doing didn't make sense to them. They were nine to fivers. Unless you worked in the entertainment industry on like a set, you were getting in as an extra, if that makes sense. It, well, it makes total sense. And this is kind of like the interesting thing is you're talking about this energy stuff. So as I was, you know, opening my business here, high altitude mindset and my coaching and everything like that, I was doing a lot of chakra work. And mm-hmm. so the colors of my logo ended up being the colors of the top three chakras and the colors on the wall behind me, it's blue. It's the color of the throat chakra. And what I do is I speak, I counsel people, I interview people, all of this. And so I wanted to be surrounded in this blue and it's a part of part of my logo because of that. These, these things that you're talking about are very powerful, particularly when you're talking about entities that are inhab- inhibiting your movement, things that are trying to hold you back. And how do you clear that stuff inside of you so that you are not being pulled back by them because you you're, you're a person who you know you really love forward momentum and we're getting up into the kind of time when you and I met back in the aughts and uh, you know you 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 had just quite a sense of you know purpose about you you're very serious very serious and uh, well, I was really serious my friend said you never smile and I go, well, that's because I marched in the drum corps where you didn't smile. <laughs> that was my excuse. But really it was, I was insecure and I was definitely shy. And to me, I still think I'm a little bit shy. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. But if I could replace shy with enduringly humble, you, you're, you're, a, you're, okay. yeah. that is what is so... Um, alluring about being around you, your your humility, and just the fact that when you speak with somebody, and I imagine that you you're just exactly the same with a high high profile person, it's disarming. It's yes, it's natural. I, I was told that's it, and, and and those words are correct. Humble, which I don't think of. I thought of it as being more shy, but that's the correct terminology. Humble, and then someone my my old co-host Bill Marco would say you're non-threatening. And I thought that was correct because people will tell me everything, things that they're not supposed to, not knowing that they told me if that made sense, because I was non-threatening. So I would always say this, I'm not that actor. I'm not that writer. 
I'm not that producer in that way, and I'm not that director, meaning I'm not in your world. My job is to help promote your stuff. So therefore, the walls go down. I'm not in competition with you. So they're relieved, if that makes sense. And that's why I say it that way. Now it's it's interesting it's interesting because you know I'm I'm a I'm a therapist by trade and so I'm I I'm a I'm I'm really good at doing that and so what what I sometimes have is somebody will do a long interview with me and then afterwards they'll go wow I opened up a whole lot more than I really thought that it would. can you cut this one part out because I didn't really mean to talk about that you know and I'm like <laughs> I know I've done a good job when that's coming back at me because because they felt comfortable enough in that to talk about something and I'm not going to publish something somebody doesn't want but um but that's also an art too now yeah. imagine doing that with a publicist standing in the room and they get paid from that client now if that client's not happy that publicist is going to say, you know what, can you take that out? Now, I've only had that happen once. And what it was, and I knew that I shouldn't have let them see it. I was doing a one-on-one, and uh, her first or last name was Hawk. And it was one of the uh, things where the publicist came over and looked at it. This is when iPads came in. I did it on my friend's iPad. But I, I wanted to do it where we got the interview. Okay, now I want to get out of here. Because once you got it, it's yours. It's property of yours. And you don't want them to see it or hear it until it's later because it would give them, hey, can you take this out? Because I would hear this on the print side all the time. I'm not print. We're TV radio at that point. And then what it is, you ask a question, let them finish it, don't interrupt, and then you jump in afterwards. So you have clean sound bites. And I still do my interviews like that till this day because you can't put some words in someone else's mouth if that makes sense because they would always say, I was taken out of context. Well, in the radio room, it wasn't because we got the tape of it. Where in the print room, they would say, I'm thinking of this in the print, that the interview on the print side would say, you're thinking of blue. Yeah, that's it, I'm thinking of blue. Yeah, well, you just did put something in their mouth. But on the radio side, no, nope. you ask a question, let them finish it, jump back in with a follow-up or something else. That's how we learned that because we needed clean sound bites or stuff. So me, as I'm starting to get in to do those radio roundtables, um, now I'm starting to meet other people by being invited in from the shows. Now, remember, I always want to be TV radio, never print. I was a terrible writer then, still am till this day. That's not my forte. So I always focus on those two things. Even now, TV radio podcast. I do it in that auto because that's the order that I started in. That's the order that it goes to me. So as you were talking about shockers, which is important for the audience, a lot of women have their throat chakra closed off. Mm. It was one of those things where they were told not to speak. They were very, very powerful. If you believe in past life, some people don't, but I do, and I don't care if you do or not. You know, they were powerful back then, but men saw how much power women had, and they didn't want that to happen because they knew that they would be much more powerful than them. So when you're learning these things in history and you're learning it from your shaman who can see what you can't see, and as you're achieving your goals that you that you that you said that was going to happen on tape, well, you're still, you're learning the power of manifestation at that point, but also those colors. And I knew the colors that you have behind me are spiritual colors because I can see blue, purple, aqua green, which are my spiritual colors. And I got that from the Jamaica Sea when I was at Jamaica with the band one day, and I saw this. I'm like, those are pretty colors. It's calming. Those are going to be my colors. And remember in part one, I talked about my favorite number, seven, from Santa Clara Vanguard, the snares. I'm like, oh, I like that. They have seven snares. I like that. That's going to be my favorite number. 
that's how I started to pick these things out. There was a certain reason why. Might not have made sense to other people, but it made sense to me and it's worked for me. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, um, as it it's it sounds a lot like your spirituality began to play more and more of a role for you as you were climbing in your prominence. And so when you're growing in your spirituality, are you starting to see more of a flourishing of everything else? Absolutely. Because as I'm chanting for things, I'm like, oh, I've, I've got to, we'll take Oprah for, a van, for example. I've got to meet Oprah Renfe. I know she's got this movie coming up. She's got this TV series. It's through ABC. I'm going to get an interview with her. I know I'm going to get an interview. Nothing is going to stop me. Well, I would get the interview. I would get it that day. But I didn't know where it might be. I wasn't specific then like I am specific now. When and So now the world has changed and everything like that. You have to be very, very specific. And so when I'm talking to people, I'm like, what do you want to do? I want to be famous. Well, okay. Why do you want to be famous? What's going to take you to be famous? How bad do you want to be famous? What happens when you become famous? Have you ever thought about those things? They go, no, I never thought about that. Well, why not? Don't you think that's important? You want to be famous. So do you want to have a microphone in your face all the time? No, not really. Well, this is this is part of being famous. Did you think about that? So I start to throw these things in that they've never thought of from someone who most of us have a microphone in our face now, right? So before, there was only a few people that had this. And a lot of us, the best in the world, were the ones at the radio roundtable. We were considered the best in the world because you had to be on that list being accredited the MPAA. Now, I wasn't with an outlet like a Fox or an NBC or Entertainment Tonight or ET or anything. I didn't have that. I couldn't get into that stuff. So I had to find a way. My way was public access. So by me chanting, by me working on myself, doing voiceovers, I started meeting other people. I wasn't listening to music for four years because I went on to the next stage in my life, which was movies, working in the video store. I worked at a Blockbuster, a Warehouse, a Music Plus, Tower Video, uh, Video Tech, extravaganza video, and I got to know how they worked, were they privately owned, were they small business, were they a corporation. Working with a corporation, you couldn't change your prices. Well, working with a small mom and pop, you could. So when we, went, when we did quarter days for extravaganza video, I started to learn about marketing at that point. Well, marketing came in, well, how are you going to get your show out on public access? It's up to us, you, to market it. What are we doing for podcasts? Marketing our shows, right? We got to figure out what way it works. I hated it when people would say, well, who's your audience? Well, I want everybody. Everybody watches movies. Yeah, but Brian, who's your audience? Well, at, so when they would say it a second time, well, I want to reach this. I always wanted to reach the drum and beagle court world. So that was the audience of that age that I wanted. Well, we knew age limit wasn't a thing. You can march in the senior cores, all age cores now, till you were 81 or 86. There were those members who did that on the East Coast. And I knew them and I was friends with them. And then, you know, the junior cores, well, we knew they 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 aged out of 21, 22, depending when their birthdays were. So, but you still marched in a high school or a college band if you didn't march in a drum corps. So I always wanted that ages, if that makes sense. The average people, what they're doing is we want our age limits to be between 25 and 48. Well, I wasn't interested in the TV audience at that point because I wasn't watching TV. I didn't have a TV. Remember, I didn't have a lot of money. So I had to figure out how to do different things. So public access, I could control that. I could become that director. I could become that producer and that host. That's three things I could control, I could do. And I worked on making it better. Did I have any TV experience? 
No, except when I went to school to take my communication courses, but those are like two weeks the most. This is something that was going to last a lifetime that I wasn't thinking about, you know? It's very interesting. Can you talk about the chanting? Because you, you've mentioned it a couple of times, and I, I've heard a lot about the setting of intention, the yeah. intentional like mantra chanting sort of thing that helps focus your mind and your energy on something. Can you talk about how you did it, what your practice was? For, for back then, it was uh, NSA, called NSA, Nishun Shoshu of America, uh, all strictly Japanese. Well, you met the Japanese back then after, you know, way, 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 way back, they were always chanting on stuff, whether it was good weather, good health, good things like that. So when it came to America, it came in a different way. And then it turned out to be Soka Gakkai, SGI, which is what it still is today. Um, so a president Ikeda, uh, who's still a president, and he, you know, he looks very young, very vivacious, doesn't speak any English, because at that point, when we bombed Japan, you didn't learn English because you were fighting against America at that point. So it was frowned upon to learn English. After okay. you start having kids, you start learning English and, you know, going back to the roots of everything like that. So everything was written in Japanese. So we would we would recite what was on from a gohonzen, you know, that went from the top to the bottom and what it was, the spiritual wars and everything like that. And it was very good because in the middle of the scroll was something you were supposed to focus on. You chant for this, you chant for what you want, it will happen. And it, all the stuff did happen for me. That's how I got a chance to do my interviews. Because remember, I was the only one who wasn't syndicated. There was a couple of people in there that didn't like me because they found out I wasn't syndicated. Well, why is Brian here? Well, the publicists that liked me, they got to know me. They knew that I, I liked movies. I was focusing on these things. A lot of that stuff came from chanting, came from working on what I was doing. And from that, you know, you would chant nam yo renge kyo And that would help me. And I still do that 30-something years later. It hasn't gone away. And then you incorporate the chakras. You start putting all this stuff in. You have the eight, the universal law of that, earth, wind, fire, all those things in air. You put all those elements together and you can't go wrong. And then, I'm, you know, I'm meeting my shaman and I'm learning about you've got to work on this. You've got to, you're off. If you're not wearing their proper shoes, if you're not standing straight up, you know, I have bad backs later on. You got to work on all of these things. So all of these things work in universal law, being in rhythm with one. Where do you go from, from where you are in this stage? You're talking about like the late aughts and early teens. You're really starting to grow and you're, you're, yeah. you're starting to interview. You've thrown out some names to me of, you know, William Shatner, you've interviewed George Clooney, you've interviewed, I, I think you've interviewed Oprah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you've you done some very, very high profile people that you have to earn your way to have access to these. You people. have to be on that list and you have to be approved to be on that list. Yeah. Even till this day, it's about the bigger outlets. And, and so in this term, it's about how big is your social media numbers? Now, that's not fair, nor is that right to a lot of people. And I always knew that. So for me, you have to be syndicated. If you're not syndicated, they can't invite you. Um, okay, so how do you get syndication? Well, you have to be with like an ABC, CBS, NBC, now a Fox, or cable, ESPN, all that stuff. There's no way I was going to get hired by these people. That's not how it worked. You were lucky when you graduated to go and do an intern for that. I never wanted to do that because I saw the problems with those companies before. 
I was in line with the small business, the small mom and pops, if that makes sense, or being that inventor and creating something out of nothing, which is what we did. So you had to always fight your way in. You had to meet those publicists. They had to learn to like you. And you had to give them good reviews based on that movie or TV show or book. And after a while, if they liked you or, hey, you know, we see this guy working. He may not be, you know, his territory may be here, but at least it's a strong here. Where other people are syndicated, they do a one and done. Oh, I got to go do this movie. Oh, I have to go to the Four Seasons and get free food, have my parking taken care of, and talk to Julia Roberts. And I looked at it like, boy, these people aren't grateful. They're not showing gratitude. Man, and here I am working my, my ass off to get in to do this. And just having that drum corps mentality. I knew I was a late bloomer because I was told that, and I know that. And it was that. And then, you know, I'm practicing Buddhism and I'm focusing on what I need to do. And I'm chanting millions of Daimoko to get to where I want to. And the more you chant for the things that you want, visualization, it is going to happen because there's nothing stopping you. And you're determined. And when you have that strong will, nothing is going to stop you. That's what I had. And I still have that when I'm doing that. However, and when you're by yourself, you have nothing to lose, nothing and everything to gain. So I'm, I'm letting that sit with me for a second here because I'm just going to be honest here. Through my life, I've known that I've been different and I have always been afraid to go forward and to be on my own and have my own, you know, my own brand like I'm, I'm finally doing now. And I recognize very clearly I should have done this a decade ago, right? And um, but but now I'm I've got a lot more skills than I had uh, ten years ago. But it's oftentimes that negative self talk, that fear, that self doubt, and a, a sense that certain doors will always be closed to you, and that is just never the case. Those doors are accessible if you are not afraid of putting in the work of dealing with setbacks and overcoming them and thinking through them, which has been your whole thing that you have consistently gone, I'll get in that door, not ever in a in an arrogant way, but always in a, I've got about three doors to go through before that door is going to open to me. And I'm going to focus on the door right in front of me. I'm going to chant my way through that door. I am going to be humble. I'm going to meet the people in front of this door. And then I'm going to meet the people in front of the next door. And I'm going to slowly get there. And so now here you are. And, you know, you have you have a, a tremendous prominence. You have very, you have friends of very high stature. And all of this is just built upon going through the one little door ahead of you and then going through the next door. And, and you're... You're known now and, you know, movie reviews and more has, what was it, 20 million downloads? Well, 20 million views and counting because we decided to go by the views, not the followers, not the subscribers and not the likes. Yeah. All those can be taken away. I would say this. You can always unlike something. You can always unsubscribe. You can always unfollow, but you can't unview a view. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And those are the things that we figured out, you know, Montague Pope LeBeau and I, as we were talking about, what we knew that could work, being ahead of the game, because a lot of people, if they can't see it, it doesn't exist to them. Well, how do you know it's not there just because you can't see it? It's really the other way around. 
what is Dreamweaver Arts? Dreamweaver Arts is something that Montague Pope Lebeau's mom came up with. It was his mother's vision to help people like what we're talking about, help them, whether they had mental problems, whether they were going through things, whether they became homeless, whether they didn't have a way to get to where they wanted to go. You know, and so Dreamweaver means the weaver of dreams. It's something where weaving the impossible into, you know, into reality. And it's something that Montague's mom, it was an idea of creating a place of like-minded community, if that makes sense. And with that, you know, it's about those artists. It's about the arts. It's about having a place to go where people can feel safe, whether you're, you felt different, you were LGBTQ, um, you had nobody helping you or you didn't have family. And so, you know, along with being a community benefit, it's one of those things where allowing others to create life, a life's journey of their choosing, if that makes sense. No, it makes it makes perfect sense. And you've been how long have you been working on Dreamweaver? I started the idea of me. What well, it's more really Montague Pope's vision of that. He's the architect of that, and I'm more like kind of the magician of putting everything together. Where he's more private, I'm more out there. If that makes sense, he doesn't want to be seen. Doesn't want to tell a story except for his mom's vision of helping everybody else where my job is to go out there to be seen, to tell everybody about that, but not being that face. We have not found that face of the person to be for that yet. But on everything else, everything else is built there. And the property is there. It's just a matter of which one do we want. It's got to be the right one. That's about getting into the right house, having that proper soil, having that good soil that's never had a fire on it, that's never had a contamination on it. You know what it's like to be in a neighborhood where a fire creeps up on you. We don't want to have that happen. If we can prevent that, by having the right property, that's half the battle. If you've got great soil and you're building and creating that great food to be grown, that's the other half. And if you have the water rights, having those three things right there, you've mastered a lot because people don't think about that stuff. It's not going to happen inside the city. It's more outside of that because the world and things have changed. Where is it that you want to go with Dreamweaver? And what do you, I know that you have been raising a lot of money for this and and you have uh some some things that you want to do like physically with this think of it like this i always say it's a toss-up between disneyland and orange county california uh monty doesn't necessarily like when i say this the playboy mansion where hugh hefner would have movies he would have movie nights but they would do events on that and then skywalker ranch what george lucas had created when he did star star wars think of this when George Lucas created Star Wars, the people that were against him, that didn't get it, who's going to come see this? This doesn't make any sense. Oh, and you want to do merchandising? No one's going to buy this stuff. We're still talking about Star Wars. Who owns it now? Disney. Where can you go see all of this stuff? Disneyland, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, all in one place at Disneyland. So for Dreamweaver, when you come to our ranch, environmentally friendly, sustainable, net zero, meaning no plastic, the best food that will be grown in the world, library where you don't have books that are banned. You need to have books so people can learn and let kids decide because kids will tell you. You know, when you when you ban it, I, I didn't know this until last year when I saw a banned book in Tennessee. I never seen banned books in the library before, have you? Um, well, I mean, I, I 
Man, left <laughs> so left you speechless. Like I said, left you speechless. I just saw a movie, a short film on banned books. You know, Holocaust books bans. Okay. One of Oprah's books that she gave a thing to that's banned. Or uh, they go, um, I forgot how they say it. It's in that borderline that's going to be banned, but not officially banned yet. It's very interesting. So when you have a thing on Rosa Parks, that book being banned, or a Holocaust book banned, you're trying to say that a Holocaust didn't happen? Because mm. there's a movie called Lee on saying a, a female who went in there, not a male, who went into World War II, had to fight to get there to go take pictures. Her photographs are the ones that captured this of the Holocaust. If it weren't for her, there would have been no photos, no proof that it existed. She hmm. took those photos as a woman who wasn't allowed to go into the front lines in World War II. Her name was Lee Miller. So when you see these things, these things do exist. They do happen. So for us, we want to be able to create these things. We want to be able to have that electric car, but also teach kids how to fix a regular car. Remember a regular car when people used to work on their cars oh, yes. in the 50s, 60s, 70s? You have to have that balance now. You can't have one without the other. Exactly. So imagine having those things like that. And you're eating fresh food because not when you're not eating food that's processed, well, we know what it does to your mind. We know what it does to your body. And if you're not drinking good, clean water, we know what that does to you too. Think of Detroit. Think of in, in South Africa when they didn't have water. There's always going to be a drought. There's always going to be a lack of food. But on Dreamweaver, we don't have to worry about those things because we're creating those things. We can capture water from the cloud, water athletic machine. One of our friends, Moses West, has that. We have bubble hut tents. We can sleep on the whole glamping thing, crystal glamping thing. We have the air purifiers that we put them in. We've done these things already. These are all to protect because to protect you because the world is changing. There's climate crisis going on now. Most people believe in it. It's a lot better than it was five years ago. When we kind of started working on it, Monty was working on it longer than that, but he couldn't get people to believe in it. Now more people believe in what's going on that's not good. Now, can you talk about all the things that you're doing right now? I know that you are you do a ton of traveling and you, you're doing movie reviews and more. And, and what are all the things that you have going on? Who are the people that you're talking to? Well, I'm looking at things... There's always interesting, not everything is in California. <laughs> not everything is in the U.S. I always tell people, you never know who your partner might be. Your partner might be in China, but wants to get out of China, who's stuck in Hong Kong. China doesn't recognize Hong Kong, but, you know, where are most of the products made? In China. And they're good. However, there's so much great technology that doesn't get a chance to be seen. So when I go to the CES show, Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, I'm looking for the best products that no one's ever seen before. When I ride, I would ride my Segway that uh, Jack Gillian gave it to me because of our numbers. It's AI. I had, I had that four years ago or five years ago. I'd get off of it and it would follow me. Think about that. It would talk back to me. <laughs> I had that. I had photos of that. Most people have never even seen this. So when I'm seeing a suitcase that can follow you, they have them. You can't fly with them on an airplane because of the battery. But they mm. exist. They've been around five, six years. Some of the best technology people have ever seen it. I've seen it because of our numbers. I've been privy to it. Those CEOs and those companies reach out to me. They're reaching out to me. Every time you hear a ding, I'm getting invited to something else off the other computer. That's in January. When I go to the LA Art Show, I want to be there. I want to find those great artists. you got art on your wall. So when I'm seeing those artists, I'm promoting those people. When I see women who've written a great book, who've gone through some a lot of stuff, 
but they come out on the other side. The scars are still there, as you know, but the book is meant to educate a lot of people. So I want to put all those people together. We want to have that great library, sort of like George Lucas has got his great library that you can see online. Ours will rival his in a different way. My goodness, that, that's that's so much. When, when When do you see this being a physical place that people can go? First of all, you got to be invited. And it's something, because you can't just invite anybody. You don't just invite anybody to your house, right? Right. And so now there's more mental problems out there. So you have to scan more people. It's almost like going to TSA. They take your ID. You want it. You're not getting on that plane. You're not going through that thing, right? Right. Even though you pay for it, they can stop you. So for us, it's like going to a studio. You're going to see some of the world's best products, meet some of the best people. Don't be surprised when you're invited, get Jeremy, to come on. And you meet an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because Arnold's always been an environmentalist, but he's always had the Arnold. He's been one of the best marketers when it came to movies. And he was in the fitness world. And he was the Mr. Olympia, Mr. Universe, all of that stuff. However, he's always been an environmentalist. That's just Arnold. Sharon Stone, you know her as an actress, but she's always been into water, clean water. But she also is an artist now. So there are all of these people that do different buckets that you may not know of. So for Dreamweaver, we want, we want to put all of these things on our ranch. They will all be on the ranch. We've started collecting all these things already. So within the next 90 days, things will happen. It's already in the process, but it's got to be the right one. Well, right, right. And um, I, 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 as I'm talking, I've just started thinking about your mother. Your, your mother probably through your life, didn't quite understand what it was that you were doing. They still don't understand. Yeah. They have no idea. When I reached my first million views, I was sitting with my, my sister's partner, Bo. And I go, Bo, we, we, we just, I think we're at a million views. I'm adding it up on my phone. This is April, this is April 19th, 20, no, April 16th of 2019 in Georgia, right before I'm heading to Tennessee. I'm going back to Tennessee the second year in a row. And I go, that's a million views. Is that right? I go, I show him the phone. Is that right? He goes, that's right. Can we add that up again? I We reached a million views. That's the date. And then every day I started keeping track because the numbers would go up every day. When your numbers go up every day, that means something. And it's one of those things where when I see my numbers, if you can see that number, that's today's number. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So when I'm keeping track of these things, my numbers go up every day. I'm and and for the people listening, I'm looking at a number that is very close to 18 million. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's 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 so tremendously impressive. And you don't just get that. That that happens over a long period of time. And for those those people will say, well, well, you could have just made that number up. Well, no, here's here's the history. <laughs> when you go back and look, that first show is at a million views right there, just the first yes. one. And then you can see part of the second one. But it yeah. goes back to April April 16th of 2019. I keep track. That's money. So when you see those views, do you not show, tell people about these every day? Because I do. And it's just like, if you don't tell your story, someone else is going to tell it for you. Well, you're not going to tell my story. You'll help me tell the story I want you to tell. But I'm going to tell you the story and how we got there, because as we're leading up to it, you can see where we're going. Amazing. Amazing. And so 
you know, as, as you're sitting where you're at, you're 63 years old, you're looking at your entire- Not married, don't have any kids. Uh-huh. That's the other thing. That's not normal. Definitely not in the African-American community. Not normal in the world of entertainment. As far as I know, still, I'm the only one. Think about that. And I chose that specifically. I couldn't have done this with a family. Definitely couldn't have done it because I would have shifted. You know, mm-hmm. once you have kids, you know, you got to take care of other people. I could barely take care of myself sometimes. I didn't have that help in the family. Family doesn't understand if they, you know, they don't, if they can't see it, that doesn't make any sense to them. And that's why I started bringing people to our interviews, our events, because they didn't know what I was talking about. It made no sense to them. What, you go, you go to a hotel and you interview celebrities about a movie? How does that make sense? And then what do you do with it? Well, you air it. Where do you air it? At that point, public access. That's the only place I could air it. And then, so you take it and you put it on a public access show? Yeah. Oh, I don't believe you. That's why I started bringing everybody to my interviews. Come with me. I'll show you. Or who? And I would say this, and I still say this, except I don't have to say this much anymore. Who would you want to meet if you had the opportunity to meet that person? Oh, oh, I'd like to meet Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, okay. Well, he's got a movie coming out, and I know I'm going to interview him. It's in two months. I know the date because they sent me save the date invite already, and I know what hotel is going to be at. I just don't know if I'm going to get it for TV or radio or for both. Would you like to come? It doesn't cost you anything. Your gas is taken care of. Your car is being, valet's being taken care of. And you're going to eat free. And if you're lucky, you're going to sit next to John Claude because I'm already visualizing how it's going to happen. Because I already right. know. I've already been doing it. How would you like that? And then they're like, uh, yeah, you said you wanted to meet this person. I just gave you the opportunity. You can't chicken out now. No, I'll be there. Yeah, you're going to be there because... If I make a phone call to someone else who's a fan, a woman, they're going to come and then you lose out. So FOMO, fear of missing out. Nobody who knows me wants to miss out at anything. No, absolutely not. And And then things uh, may change. You know, they may get sick. They may have limited time. They may be shooting something. Oh, they're just going to do TV. Well, if I'm lucky enough, I might be on that TV outlet because only 60 TV outlets cross country could do it. And on the international stuff side, you might have 40. That's not a lot. That's only a hundred right there. If that's that. So that's the top 100 outlets in the world. When you think about that, who invited to say the interview, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Now, if it's Oprah, even less based on her time at this point, remember she's in Chicago. She's not, she's not in California then. So most of the time you will go into Chicago for beloved, I didn't get invited. I wasn't syndicated. Everybody went but me. When they did Pearl Harbor and went to Pearl Harbor, I didn't get invited. Everybody went but me. I wasn't syndicated. Now, do you not think that didn't hurt me and that didn't sting? Everybody got, the studios paid for you to go there for three days just to do interviews of Ben Affleck and everybody, Cuba Coding Judy, everybody in the cast, go to Hawaii. They paid for it. I wasn't invited. Now, once you've not been invited to something, you're like, okay, this is never going to happen again. I'm not going to allow them to take something away from me that they said, yes, I could do. You start to get even more determined. You start to say, okay, I see how they're going to play this game. I'm not going to play that game. We're going to play the game my way. you got to figure it out some kind of way. So by having views now, that's the gay way I can play it. Tuesday night show, which you've been on. 
I can play that game because it's my show. And I can invite whoever I want on. So now I have it being the other way around. Who's got the power at that point? But yeah, because you are the person who invented. It's yours. It's 100% yours. All from public access. Right. And figuring out. If you're not on that list, if you're not invited, if you're not syndicated, ah, oh, that's how it works. Same thing with a podcast. How can I get that big client? The first thing, show us your IG, Instagram. Oh, you don't only have so many followers. That's how they keep you out. Does that make you less of a person? No. Is that fair? Absolutely not. And it goes back to Dream Weaver. So that's why we're going to show you everything that we're going to do. And we're going to invite you. And you're going to get a taste of what we've been telling you about. And then when you leave, you're going to leave with fresh water, fresh food, and, and a gift bag of things that we've had that showcase on our property. It's like going to Disneyland, except you don't have to pay for it. Over the over your entire life, as you've done all of these things, like what is it? Because things are different now than they were in the 1970s and 80s. What would you, what would your advice be to somebody who uh, is starting out, wanting to go towards a big goal that has gatekeepers involved? Don't focus on one thing for one thing. You got to do many things. However, not everybody is good at multitasking. I am. I learned I had to watch many movies at the same time to see what was good because they have a 10 minute rule in the film festivals that they don't tell you about. If the film is not good in 10 minutes, turn it off. You ever watch the movie at home? Oh, this doesn't look good. Nah, I'm not going to watch it. Well, I got to watch it. I'm, I'm committed to it. If I start it, I got to watch it. I want to see it through because there may be someone at the end of that movie that's going to be a star. Oh, I want to interview that person. That person stood out in that role. I think of Brad Pitt and, and, and um, Thelma and Louise. That's oh. where he skyrocketed at. It was the end of the film. So when you have something like that, that's a great thing. So And then being consistent. If there's no consistency and hard work and working smart and being able to adapt and adjust. And as Montague would say, if you don't, if failure to adapt and adjust and you can't bend a little bit, you will break. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for the, like the dead air between when you talk and my talk. It's because I'm trying to process the the heavy weight of like what you're talking about, you know, because, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about the ability to read the tea leaves, what works, what doesn't work, go in the direction of the thing that works. Don't just do a thing, do several things, write a book about it, talk about it, um, and build a network around it, have a couple of products and work on multiple different lanes to make the thing happen. Because that's what a well-rounded brand really is. Is that, it feels like what you're saying. Yeah, and that's why I focus on our Tuesday night shows because I can control everything on that and I can put those people together that need to meet each other. Think of when you were on as a last minute thing. Now that show was booked four months in advance. I knew it was gonna work because we had just talked. I already knew. It was just a matter of coming back into fruition. So think of you reaching out on a LinkedIn. Was I surprised? Yes and no. Did I know it was going to happen eventually? So being able to see these things in the future happen, if that makes sense. Again, going back to visualization, 
and being able to chant about these things and being able to be in the right place at the right time, being very fortunate, showing gratefulness, being blessed, showing gratitude, and a little bit of luck. It all connects because that's the world we live in now, not just one thing. And no matter what, you still have to put in the work, hard work, but working smart. Mm. You have to do it. And a lot of people don't want to do it. You know, I, I'm I'm someone, you know, you and I met quite some time ago and I sent you a note about two months ago to get reacquainted with you. And I wasn't sure if I was going to get a note back from you or not, because in this period of time, you've done a ton of work and you're at a different level in your career than you were when we talked originally. Your response to me was within five minutes. And we talked on the phone for two hours the following day. And your your cheerfulness, your humility, your your grateful mindset, and your willingness to share. It was so it was so evident. It was so it was so um open and and liberal in in your 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 willingness to to be open-minded to, uh, to, to, to somebody new starting something new. And I, I imagine that it's really those qualities that have over decades allowed you to amass not only your brand, but this, this network of people that you work from this kind of Rolodex of, of relationships that you have. And, you know, it's, it's something that makes you so, so unique and so um so consistent at what you do so you know on behalf of all the people that have you know been around you you know thank you for being who you are and and for for being that consistent person well a lot of that goes to um Montague Pablo Joya Delaney a little bit of Bill Margold the world of Drummond Gilgore watching a lot of great documentaries and seeing those people that, that, that doubted you and said that you're not going to do this, you don't belong. And then you've got to have the strength. Cause remember I'm doing a lot of this by myself. And then, you know, now that I have Montague Pope LeBeau, my, my colleague, my partner to go over things, I have someone to shoot this off. I didn't have anybody to bounce this off with. And except when I went to go get my reading from Joya. I that would say, why is this person like this? Oh, Brian, they don't like you. And here's the reason why they don't like you. They see you doing stuff and wondering why. Why are you coming in with all this energy? Who does this person think he is? He doesn't belong here. And it wasn't the color of my skin necessarily. It was, who does he think he is? And why is he doing this? Why is he doing it this way when it's supposed to be this way? Well, there wasn't, to me, there was no rules. The rules that they put up, there was no way I could break through their rules, if that makes sense. It does. So you've got to find another way to do it. If that were the case, no one would have a podcast these days. There wouldn't be a Spotify. Sean Fanning would have never have come up with Napster. DVDs wouldn't have gone away. VHS, all that stuff. There was nothing wrong with them. There was nothing wrong with cassette decks, you know, cassette players, those big stereos. Things got smaller. Now we know smaller isn't always better, and technology isn't always, always better. You've got to have a balance. So if you have an e-car, you can't have all e-cars. you got to have a balance. What happens when you have solar flares? 
universe doesn't care what's happening out in space. There's a lot of things going on out in space that affect what we're doing here on planet Earth. Our retrograde, which is where we're in now, a full moon for those people who believe in full moons who may not know what a retrograde is. Those reintroducing the people that come in and out of your life. Oh, why is this person coming back? Oh, it's a retrograde. You know, why is there more murders and more traffic crimes during a full moon? Well, we're made of over 90% water in them. We're affected by water, high tides. It comes from the moon. These things do affect us. So if you know what's happening out there and you can work in harmony with it, going back to chakras and balancing one's life, it does affect it. It does work. But if you're a naysayer and like, ah, I don't believe this. Okay, you stay over there. I'll continue with doing what I'm doing. Remember, you came to me. I didn't go to you. I can help you, but I can't help you if you don't want to help yourself. And just because your thinking is limited doesn't mean I'm going to stoop down to your level. I've already been there. I say this. I'm going to, I see you at the top because it's a little bit crowded on the bottom. I've been at that bottom. I know what that likes. So I'm not going to say no to someone who's reaching out. There's a region that reaching out. You don't always know why until you talk to them. And there's a lot of people that don't reach out, that I reach out to them. And they go, oh, we've been watching you. I'm like thinking, well, why didn't you reach out? Well, I already know the answer once I ask them. They were scared. They didn't know how to. They didn't think we were going to respond. Mm. Wow. Think about that. If you don't ask, how will you ever know, right? Well, and if you don't believe in the energy polarity of the full moon, just talk to any psych nurse in an emergency room and they'll tell you about it. Absolutely. Anywhere yeah. around the world. <laughs> you know, when you, before there's an earthquake, look at your dog or cat. They know seconds before it happens. They can feel it. Sometimes they know a couple days ahead of time. Look at Mother Nature. If you look at the clues, you will find the answers. Well, Brian, thank you for telling your story. Thank you for being so deliberate in the way that you tell it. Your, your whole story that mixes in your tenacity, your spirituality, your consistency, your humility, and ability to just simply go, if I can't enter the door this way, look, there's a door right down here that's open. I'm going to go in this. That people can mistake that for arrogance. They can mistake it for the, you know, the wrong kind of mindset, which people have with you, as you just kind of talked about here. But what it is, is it's just your limitless potential enacted through just making it happen, walking up to people and shaking their hands, always having an open door, always being willing to take a setback, turn around and keep going at it in a different way because the door will eventually open ahead of you and you'll eventually get there. And so your, your story really is encapsulated in that. You keep going forward and you maintain control over your dominion by, you know, movie reviews and more is all yours. You have the ability to move about and do the things that are your specific interests. And so you've, you've done, you know, such an amazing job of all of this. And I, you know, just thank you so much for coming here and telling your story. Well, the, the, the funny thing about it, and I tell people, you've got to jump over the fence, you got to climb down the chimney, you got to dig a grave underneath it, just dig underneath the house to get into these things. Because not everybody can go through the front door. Not everybody can go through the back door. 
maybe sometimes you just have to build a no, a, a, another house and create something else and then to get the attention because that works too. But people don't think that way. Right. Right. Well, humbly thank you uh, for, for you know, coming on and, and being a part of this. And to everybody listening, uh, you uh, can you tell them how to find you and where you're at? Yeah. As they would say on, on IG, Instagram. So it's at Movie Reviews and More. Movie Reviews and More on YouTube. Facebook, Brian Sebastian 169. See, I know off the top of my head. But really, if you want to go everything, go to the dreamweaver.org, dreamweaver.org, because Dreamweaver, movie reviews and more, and then the farm of what everything's being built, it's a triangle. So that way, sacred geometry, but everything that we're doing, one thing feeds the other. So, and again, I did this without a website, without a book, don't have that. And just figuring out a different way. Doesn't mean it's easy, still working on a lot of things, but we can see where we are. Slow, steady growth. It's like an old tree. And on the flip side of that, as Monty would say, we're like a willow tree. We bend, but we don't break. Yeah. Yeah, you're flexible. And you, again, that is the enactment of what you had been talking about a few minutes ago. Do a bunch of different things. Do several different things. Have it going in the same direction and, and make sure that you diversify what it is that you're doing, what your offerings are and all the different things that you're doing and, and have, you know, a singular, singular mission that ties it all together. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like water is very spiritual. When you can't think, go take a shower. Water is very cleansing. Uh, it, it allows you to think about stuff. For me, if I'm not going to the movies or watching a movie, that's where my ideas come from. Going for a walk, walking outside the house. My ideas don't come from being in the house. I come back and put them into action. As soon as I walk out, all of a sudden things hit me, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, everybody, please like and subscribe on the platform that you are listening on. It really does make a difference. I am Jeremy Van Wert from High Altitude Mindset. I help you get to your unlimited, your unlimited potential. Thank you for watching and go be something great.